Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we're live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Saturday. We are going to be continuing with our kind of NFL season refresher, doing a random team, picking a random team, and then just kind of seeing what happened last season, what happened this offseason, and how do we feel their season's going to be playing out. So we've got that today, and then also what we're going to be doing is kind of going over some more narratives, getting those kind of written down and confirmed so we're all on the same page once training camp begins next week. Teams start Tuesday and Wednesday, and you know we're going to get right in, into the thick of it of the NFL 2021 season. So uh, we're going to get, uh, pretty much do those two things today. But uh, let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day. And the first one up, folks, man, oh, man, oh, man. So it does seem like we get a little bit of more news here on what Aaron Rodgers is going to do this year. So Aaron Rodgers tweets out this photo of Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan on the court. And who does the same image? Devontae Adams. So, you know, they're kind of saying, hey, this is the last dance, the last ride. Let's get it. Hey, it's now or never. We're never going to, well, we I want to say never, but we're probably not going to be on the same team again after this year. So let's finally go out and do what, you know, we've been trying to do for the last five, six years. Get a ring. Get a ring together. Have Aaron Rodgers have more than one ring get Devonta Adams his first ring let's get it done we've been 13 and 3 these last two seasons we've made it to the NFC championship game these last two seasons let's get it done now because it's now or never so this kind of ties back to what we were talking about yesterday, um, seeing that Devontae Adams stopped long-term contract negotiation talks, and we just said he stopped that because he didn't know who the quarterback was going to be in Green Bay next season. This season, it's pretty much going to be Aaron Rodgers. We were kind of you know, still iffy, but we were leaning toward Aaron Rodgers playing this season because it means a lot to his legacy. He cannot really take a year off if he's trying to go for the greatest of all time which we kind of believe he is. So we believe that Aaron Rodgers was most likely going to play this year and just next season. That's where the big question mark is going to lie. What is going to happen next year? Seems like Aaron Rodgers is probably going to get the trade that he desperately wants next season. Now that Devontae Adams is definitely going to leave, now that we have this picture, now that we know Devontae Adams is not going to sign that long-term deal. So now Aaron Rodgers is like, hey, everyone's leaving. I'm leaving too. Respect me enough to at least trade me to a team I want. And I think as long as Aaron Rodgers doesn't kind of go big diva mode this season and like stop play, playing and, you know, does his own thing, like changes the play, play at the line of scrimmage every time, I think as long as, you know, he doesn't kind of go over the top in kind of his – aggravation towards the front office and the coaching staff, I do think the Packers organization would trade him to a team that he would want to go to himself. I mean, Aaron Rodgers watched Peyton Manning go from the Colts to the Broncos and win a ring. 
Aaron Rodgers saw Tom Brady leave New England and go to Tampa Bay and win a ring. This man knows it is possible to go to a new team and win a ring before you have to call it quits, before your time is up in the NFL. So Aaron Rodgers desperately wants to be out of Green Bay, but Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to run it back one more season this last year and go for it all. So... We'll see what the Packers can do. We'll see what a kind of uh, and I, I want to kind of say I want to I want this to come out very lightly. Um, there is a curse word in it, so it is going to kind of sound like it's coming out more aggressive than it is. But Aaron Rodgers is just going to be like, "Hey, I don't give a fuck this year." And I kind of want to see what Aaron Rodgers plays like when he doesn't give a fuck. When he doesn't give a fuck about throwing an interception. When he doesn't give a fuck about launching the ball 40 yards over the middle of the field in double coverage. But he believes that, you know, he can get the ball there for completion. That's the Aaron Rodgers that we've been, that I have kind of been waiting to see. It always seems like, you know, he's, uh, he's a little holding some things back because he doesn't want to force those turnovers. I mean, when we look at Aaron Rodgers' stats, they are very impressive. But... But there has to be a reason why this man is throwing not as many interceptions as the other great quarterbacks. Even Tom Brady's thrown more interceptions, a lot more interceptions than Aaron Rodgers. But it's resulting into more Super Bowl wins. So, you know, when we watch Aaron Rodgers, it does kind of seem like, you know, if it's not 100% open, he tries not to force the ball into tight spots that could potentially lead to an interception. Because he knows that's a big black mark, a big black stain on your open overall stats record but you need to kind of make those aggressive throws throughout the entire game not just those Hail Mary throws I mean how many times has Aaron Rodgers won a game off of a Hail Mary folks in the playoffs he's done that he's advanced in the playoffs because of a Hail Mary throw he's done it multiple times in the regular season now those are great plays I'm not knocking those plays but that tells kind of the story of how games go when Aaron Rodgers is at the helm at the quarterback position folks that you know he's playing to not to lose these games he's always playing in you know the throughout the fur throughout the regular uh, throughout regulation time he's only playing not to lose it never feels like Aaron Rodgers is truly playing to win games that's just how I see it I mean folks we've been re-watching all of his uh, playoff games and they just fought once again just all kind of follow the same course he never really gets out to hot starts. He kind of struggles after halftime. He never really always capitalizes on turnovers. It's just like he never takes those aggressive shots during the regular game to put them up big and close out games. They always kind of seem to come down to the wire. That's why we always get those explosive big finishes by Aaron Rodgers. And he does pull through, I would say, most of the time. I'd give him the majority percentage of the time. When it's a tight game, Aaron Rodgers can go down and win those games. But why do they always come down to that with Aaron Rodgers? And we look back at the interceptions. And we look at you know him always throwing the ball away. I think he plays a little conserved, a, a tad conserved served with this throwing ability we know he can make all the throws it's just whether maybe he doesn't want to force that interception or even have that pass be even thought of as an interception or he doesn't fully trust his teammates to kind of make these spectacular catches that Aaron Rodgers is throwing spectacularly to have an opportunity to catch to have the pass be complete in a very very tight coverage set so it's either one of those things Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to throw the pick or he doesn't trust his receivers to make these great 
catches, these superstar spectacular um, sports center top 10 catches out there. So I think that's kind of what we're going to get with Aaron Rodgers this year. I think it's going to be, I don't give a fuck. I am going to let this fly. Matt LaFleur, you can go fuck off. I'm I'm over y'all. Y'all know I'm over y'all. I'm only here because I'm under contract, and I'm only here because my man Devontae Adams. He's been the only person I could really count on and trust these last five, six years, ever since he's got here in the rookie. I mean, the man had a great rookie season in the playoffs. He had like a 100-yard receiving game, and I think they won the game because of him. Um, regular season wasn't so great. You know, he's a rookie. But he really made himself known in the playoffs, and that's what Aaron Rodgers wants, somebody that can be reliable, and that's what Devontae Adams has been to him. So I think they're just going to let it fly. Aaron Rodgers is going to play loose. Devontae Adams is going to play loose, and that could potentially win them the game, win them the Super Bowl. I mean, folks, we just saw them lose you know, in the NFC Championship game two years ago against the 49ers, and then we just saw them lose the NFC Championship game against the Bucs. You know, Tom Brady throwing three interceptions. Aaron Rodgers only capitalizing on one with points. Like, what is that? If they were a little bit more loose, a little bit more aggressive, a little just more of a I don't give a fuck attitude, they may have, you know, capitalized on those two other Brady picks and potentially won the game. Or, you know, he gets it done in the red zone at the end of the game and they don't have to kind of settle for the field goal. And we don't get this kind of narrative that Matt LaFleur doesn't know what he's doing coaching wise. So play calling wise. So this could be real dangerous, folks. This could be, you know, the start of something dangerous. This little low photo that both Devonta Adams and Aaron Rodgers kind of tweet out, this could end up being real dangerous. The Packers could go 17-0, putting up 50, 50 points a game and winning the Super Bowl. I mean, folks, it could happen. Aaron Rodgers' last ride, he's basically announcing last ride here. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, this could be dangerous, folks. That's all we're going to leave it at. Aaron Rodgers could be real dangerous this season. And uh, man, oh man, we could be in for a treat this year. <laughs> we truly could be in for a treat this year of Aaron Rodgers saying, fuck y'all. I don't care. I am going to let this thing fly. And y'all already y'all already thought that I was letting that thing fly the last, you know, 11, 12 years that I've been playing. Well, buckle up because you ain't seen nothing yet. So Aaron Rodgers potentially real dangerous this year. And we're going to love seeing that. Absolutely. Alrighty. Let's uh, keep moving on here. Uh, I've been talking about the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. And folks, we've been kind of recently this last week, folks, ever since they've really started training camp, we've been really loving everything we're hearing and seeing out from this Cowboys uh, training camp. And now we're hearing from Dak Prescott. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott has, quote, buried ankle injury and wants to play in the preseason. Love that. He needs to kind of get his uh, his game time stamina up, his game time rhythm up in that preseason. I know everybody hates preseason and the players are kind of, you know, actively advocating against uh, preseason games. There's only three now instead of four. They're trying to chop that down to like two. They really want to chop it down to zero, but we still need to kind of, you know, training camp does, or preseason games do serve a purpose of just kind of seeing what, you know, what your you know, roster number 50 through 53 is going to look like at the end of the day. What are your non-starters doing? Who can you kind of, you know, bet on a little bit more? Who do you want to see get a little bit more action that are not kind of a guaranteed star starting spot or even a backup spot? 
So I do still want, you know, preseason games to happen. And they give, you know, opportunities like this. Dak Prescott, who unfortunately, you know, got injured and missed the majority of last season. Or a Joe Burrow, who, you know, had his rookie year cut short and missed like the final six games. Getting them up to pace a little bit more uh, in taking advantage of those preseason games. So I want to see Dak play in the preseason. Uh, you know, injuries, can we, you know, I hate that, you know, well, you know, when you play in the preseason, you just kind of, you know, um, increase your risk of injury. And, you know, that goes back to Lamar Jackson, you know, that whole story. We didn't really talk about it because I just thought it was to so nonsense and I hate that narrative that, um, you know, Lamar Jackson was kind of uh, videoed on a basketball court with a bunch of kids, you know, um, having other kids guard him and he's guarding other kids on, you know, a one-on-one -on -one route, just having fun and living life. And everyone was knocking Lamar Jackson for like, hey, you know, you are risking getting injured and you're going to blow a deal just all to have some fun and play with some kids. Yeah, yes. We're, these are still people out here, folks. I mean, you've got an off season. You're still gonna go and do things that are fun and enjoyable, giving back to your community. Um, you know, we've seen you know football players. I forgot who it was. I want to say was it Aaron Donald, some some big football uh, name in the off season playing basketball, and then he came out like two days later and was like, I got told I can't play basketball ever again. So it's just like, yes, these. Athletes are getting paid, and yes, they have to rely on being healthy. I get all that. But at the end of the day, these are still regular people, folks, and they just want to have fun and give back and live life. Not everything is 100% about money for everybody, even though, you know, money is real gosh darn nice. <laughs> So I hate this. You know, injuries can happen whenever. Injuries can happen in regular day-to-day -day activities. You can't live your life going about thinking, I'm going to get an injury. I'm not going to go outside today because I'm going to get injured. I'm not going to play basketball today because I may get injured. I just don't think that's the right way to live because you could just be walking down the street and twist your ankle and then it's over right there. So I don't love that, you know, everyone wants these football players to live around and not getting injured. I get it, especially for the NFL it's a business they are relying on these players to be healthy for the entire year so they can make the most money I get all that but at the end of the day folks you have to bring it all back that these are regular normal people all people are normal people they're just trying to live their best life and have fun and uh you know get it done <laughs> get it done surely so let's see what uh, Dak Prescott's saying here and, you know, tying it right back. We want to see this man in preseason get that extra work. All righty. This is kind of what game tempo feels like. All righty. I'm kind of settling back in. Now it's week one and I'm ready to rock. So here we go. Let's see what uh, Dak Prescott's saying. All right, so the Dallas Cowboys have moved past the 2020 season, and that includes Dak Prescott. The quarterback completed his first practice of training camp Thursday, which doubled as his first session of camp following his significant ankle injury suffered last season. That injury, of course, quickly derailed the Cowboys' 2020 campaign, but with Prescott back in action, it's full steam ahead. No looking back allowed. Love it, folks. Quote, I've definitely buried it. Being honest, obviously you want to get a few days and a few weeks or so ahead of you and then you see if there's residual pain or anything like that, soreness. Obviously after the first day, it wasn't much. It was just good to get back out there fully moving, being a full participant in everything. And yeah, we saw a video from him uh, yesterday on the show of him in practice, and he was moving. He was escaping out of the pocket and delivering an absolute beautiful dime, folks. We're not worried about, about Dak Prescott going into this season, folks. We talked about this Cowboys narratives. 
on what what we're going to be looking for in training camp and Dak Prescott is not on our narratives watch list we don't care we know he's going to be absolutely great we're not worried about the injury we're not worried about the leadership we're not worried about the arm we believe 100% in Dak Prescott and we kind of saw that when we saw him throw that thing about 25 30 yards on the move absolutely perfect dime it was fantastic all right back to the quote here quote it's exciting just being back with the guys. It's the last thing I'm thinking about, but obviously just going to see where I'm at as I continue to go on to make sure that I have the right plan to take care of it. So he's being smart with the injury, uh, you know, keeping tabs on it, keeping an eye on it, but it's not affecting him and he's feeling no kind of residual pain thus far. And we love hearing that. All right. <clears throat> what else do we get here? We got one more quote, but let's lead up to the quote here. While most starters see minimal playing time, if any, for the majority of the preseason, Prescott might receive more snaps than usual in order to get acclimated to live action. Love it, folks. That's what we wanted to hear. That's what we said. And now we're hearing it and reading it. Love it. Uh, there's a risk with added time spent in an otherwise meaningless contest, but there's also value in helping Prescott move past any trepidation he might experience in an NFL game following an injury as gruesome as the one he suffered in 2020. So once again, I mean, I think the the benefits are going to outweigh the risks. Um, you know, getting full-time game momentum, game rhythm, game speed under your belt before the season officially kicks off, I think that's greater than potentially getting injured. That could also happen week one. That could also happen week two, three, four, five in the fourth quarter, first quarter, first play, last play, last play hell mary overtime it doesn't matter randomness walking out of the locker room you can get injured week three five ten eleven twelve the extra game talk about an extra game that nfl added an extra game this year you can get injured in that extra game before the playoffs before the playoffs start before your road to the super bowl begins they added an extra game an extra full game where all the starters are playing so that's extra added you know boot that you could get injured because these are not preseason players. These are full-time starters trying to secure their spot in the playoffs come week 18, last game of the season. Every team is playing full speed because they want to wrap up their playoff spot. The number, the, uh, what do we got? Uh, there's eight seeds. That ninth-seeded team wanting to get into the, is there, no, there's uh Seven, that eighth-seeded team that wants to get into that wild-card spot. He was trying extra hard to play balls to the wall to secure that last playoff spot. Come on, folks. So, yes, you can get injured anytime, but you can't be afraid of it. You got to embrace it and try not to let it happen. That's all you can do. Accidents happen just like that, folks. Just like that, folks. Just like that, folks. You can't stop it. And you can't really just kind of fear and live around that fear. I don't I don't think that's the right choice. So, love, uh, Dak Prescott's probably trying to get into some preseason games here. Now, let's see what he says. Quote, I definitely want to play. As far as giving you a number or a quantity of how much I need to, I just want to obviously get back out there and get some reps before it's real just to have a live defense coming at me hopefully not taking too many licks because I've got because I've got great product protection but that's the part of the game and I think that will obviously be great to get up from that wipe it off and just be another process instead of burying the injury I think it will be huge 
Obviously, not having the preseason last year, me and Zach Martin were just talking about uh, talking about it. That's a big thing is getting those preseason reps. Hey, you know, from the offensive line, from the quarterback, these are important reps. Big things getting those reps, he says, folks. That's huge. Back to the quote. Uh, just getting some practice exhibition reps underneath you before it really matters goes a long way. I think I need it. I think this team needs it. I know it'll help us once it's through. So fantastic. I mean, they only won six games last season, folks. Everybody, all the starters better be out there for a lot of the snaps for most of the quarters in preseason because there's one less preseason game and you only won six last year. So y'all need to be coming out firing out of the cylinder as soon as as possible week one and that doesn't happen if you're not all acclimated on the same page and you get that you get that way by playing in the preseason so expect Dak Prescott to be uh, a decent factor in preseason maybe not every single game obviously probably not all four quarters but maybe two quarters maybe three quarters maybe he plays a fourth quarter maybe he plays all three games just getting that game tempo game time that is needed, that pressure, that live action, the defense coming at you, audibling at the line of scrimmage, making sure your offensive line is you know, all set on the protections in real live scheme scenarios when you're changing the play under that short play clock before the five-yard delay of game penalty hits. So love it. I mean, I love it. I want to hear that. I wanted to hear that and I wanted to see it. So once again, we can buy this Cowboys team even more. We, you know, the Saquon Barkley not play not being a full participant day one coming up of their training camp starting next week is really starting to hinder us a little bit and we're hearing great things from the Cowboys so we still have the Cowboys our top team in the NFC East um, going forward as of today they just overtook the Giants when we talked about their press conference the other day of you know everybody being humble and getting back at it so we got to see Saquon Barkley back out there and getting right and ready to go week one and then maybe we can have the Giants back at top of the NFC East but it goes Cowboys Giants Washington Eagles in our mind so far of what we're seeing what we're hearing and what we buy into we're loving what we're hearing from the Cowboys recently Alrighty, let's keep moving on here. A big signing yesterday. The Dolphins signed linebacker Shaquem Griffin to a one-year deal. Alrighty. So our defense kind of, you know, beefs up a little bit with Shaquem Griffin. Uh, the one-hand assassin out there. Unfortunate there. But he still makes it work. Um, and we trust Brian Flores. We know Brian Flores is a defensive-minded head coach. And we believe he will put Shaquem Griffin in the right packages, the right schemes to be successful on the defensive end of the ball. So let's quickly take a look at what this man can do. The man doesn't really have any stats. The man hasn't even really been listed as a starter his entire career, the three seasons. Do I still have his uh, career stats up? Yeah. Um, it's real interesting. He's never been listed as a starter. One game his rookie year, he was listed as a starter. Um, um, he's played most of the games. He's been playing basically every single game, but he's not a starting linebacker out there. So we'll see what he's looking like for the Dolphins. Can he upgrade himself to a starting linebacker? Probably not, but it's still a nice little kind of luxury piece to have if uh, Brian Flores can make this man work out great. But uh, uh, shout out to uh, Matty Dubs on YouTube. He's already got the highlight package up for us. Fantastic. So let's watch this five-minute highlight package and uh, see, what, see what Shaquem Griffin is doing in his career. And let's see what Miami is getting. And, uh, you know, can we buy into Shaquem Griffin? Should we get a Shaquem Griffin jersey? Should we cut off our hand and be like Shaquem Griffin?
let's see what we get here. So, uh, like we said, shout out to Maddie Dubs. Just put this up. Shaquem Griffin highlights. Welcome to Miami. Let's see what this man is all about. Here we go. Oh, and he's going to be going against uh, Dak Prescott. First play up. Ends up uh, taking it. Uh, what do we got here? Nice little setup screen, uh, running back screen, and uh, Shaquem Griffin plays it absolutely perfectly. He reads it immediately and then goes attacks Ezekiel Elliott right at the point of the catch of the ball. You love to see it. Here we go against Sam Darnold, and the blitz gets there. Ooh, Sam Darnold's going down, and Shaquem Griffin is the one to do it. Look at him hit the hole, and bingo, bango. Pretty much goes untouched, basically. Look at this man. Look, great kind of twist. Inside starts there, and Man oh Man just runs right into the hole. That's an easy stint, an easy stunt, and bingo, bango, Shaquem Griffin with the sack. All right, where is he? Where is he on this play? The heck was that? Okay. All right, here we go. Back to the action. A nice little bull rush, and then at Kyler Murray. Oh, couldn't quite bring him down, but he stays on the play. He stays on the play. Okay. Ended up getting a little bit of pressure there. Maybe overran Kyler Murray a little bit. But, hey, you know, he's a backup. He'll get those reps here in Miami, and he'll get that figured out. So he brings them down next time. We're not worried about it. All right, what do we got here? Against the Cardinals again. Wide receiver scream and Shaquem Griffin, bingo, bango at the point of attack. And, hey, if you can cover those wide receiver screens, folks, we, that's kind of a, something that we're watching going into the season. We have started to see the increase of wide receiver screens being called here in the NFL. And you got to be able to stop them because we, they, you know, the wide receivers in the NFL are getting absolutely crazy now. The speed, the skill, the athleticism. And expect the wide receiver screens to keep being a big presence in the game. And Shaquem Griffin just played it there absolutely beautifully. Beautifully. All right, come on. I don't know what these highlights are. His leadership on the sideline. I don't have the volume up. I want to see what you're doing on the field. Um, try to get a good Shaquem Griffin big old hit somewhere. Maybe we get one right here. Here we go. All right, here we go. Nice little read option there against the Chargers, and uh, Shaquem Griffin brings him down. It's like a three-yard game, but a nice little solid hit there to bring the man down. Here we go. Bingo, bango. Shaquem Griffin right on Delvin Cook's back, and he brings him down. All right, against the Raiders there. Hey, Josh Jacobs trying to go right up the middle, and Shaquem Griffin says, nah-ah-ah, nah-ah-ah. It's like a one-yard game, maybe, if that. Here we go. A bad snap there, Shaquem Griffin. They bring him down. Where's the ref going to mark it? Looks like he's going to mark it just short. Look at Shaquem Griffin. We don't have the down and distance, but this could potentially be a third down, third and short, and Shaquem Griffin gets the tackle just in time before. Not sure who that is. Makes the first down catch. All right, Shaquem Griffin there. Doesn't let uh, the running back, I believe that was Jonathan Taylor, escape him. Here we go. On, oh, on a punt on special teams. This man, surefire tackle. Boom, boom. No return there. Shaquem Griffin stops him dead in his tracks. All righty. What else do we get here? Boom. Right there. Brings him down. Who is that? Is that Darren Waller? Boom, right there. Great stick. Receiver caught the ball, but, you know, no extra run after after the catch here. Once again, right, great stick right there. Yes, it picked up the first, but he brings him right down. Right there, one-yard gain right up the middle, and he's there for the stick. Here we go again, right up the middle. This man's got some good beef. He's not going to let you run all over him. Here we go on special teams. 
Let's see what he does here. Return just got 10 yards, and then he brings him down. Maybe a 13-yard gain, but hey, you know, he's doing his part out there. So, Shaquem Griffin, like we said, you know, no starting reps out there, but just still a solid piece to, you know, a solid rotational piece to get some nice um, rest for the starters, and we believe in Shaquem Griffin, and we know Brian Flores, like we said, is a defensive-minded head coach, so watch out for this man to be a big impact, especially on special teams. We saw him rush running some special teams plays out there. We can definitely expect him to be a special teamer for the Dolphins and getting... Uh, um, getting some nice reps as a backup. So, Dolphins time, Shaquem Griffin, and we'll see how he's looking in a Dolphins uniform this season. Alrighty, we talked about COVID yesterday on the show. We're not going to go and rehash all that. The video's up, but I think we spent like a half hour on it um, with the new protocols in the NFL. But, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people on Twitter are, you know, once again, just don't, I don't care what you do. Do what you want to do. Get the vaccine. Don't get the vaccine. I truly don't care. Um, I believe it's your choice. I believe it's your right to choose. And, uh, you know, everybody on Twitter is just on their high horse. You know, you know, everybody's, everybody takes their opportunity to virtue signal on social media. That's what it's for that's what people do on there and uh you know you can't get any more virtuous than being you know pro vaccine and uh being you know getting every single shot in your arm that you get and uh you know posting about it and talking about it and demonizing those that don't and that's what we've been seeing on twitter all day yesterday i'm talking big time sports hosts sports show sports talk show hosts all of them not going to point anybody out by name but um it's been real just kind of frustrating the way people are handling this uh we've been seeing jalen ramsey i love the way he handled it he's like i'm not going to villainize people that don't get it <laughs> i'm not tripping you're not, he said, you're not going to hear nothing from number five. We know that he just changed his number. So that's the attitude that I want to see by really everybody. Hey, I'm not going to trip. Hey, get it. Don't get it. I got it. So I'm going to be protected. If you don't get it, that's a little bit of a you problem, a you decision. And you live in, I don't want you live and suffer the consequences if there are any. And I think that's how everybody has to live. I think you do what's right for your body, your health, your situation. And we all just live with it. I don't think that's kind of out of the realm of rational, logical thinking. I don't think so. So we get this now. Um, and, you know, I people have firm beliefs, folks. You know, obviously we have the firm beliefs really on both sides. We've been hearing Cole Beasley speak out. We've been hearing other NFL players. He just got into an exchange. Cole Beasley did. I didn't really read it because it's just the same points over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and, you know, once again, nobody changes their mind, their opinion when new facts and information are presented. So, I mean, you know, there's no sense of arguing with people. But, um, you know, people holding firm in their beliefs, and I got to respect it. You know, when when this story came out, I mean, people were like, good riddance, and, you know, hey, you, hey, you, you know, you made this decision. And you didn't make this decision, but it shouldn't have to have had come to this point of you have to make a decision. And if you don't make the, the right decision, then you have to, that, you have to really kind of just step down. So the Vikings offensive line coach, Rick Dennison, has left the team after refusing to get vaccinated vaccinated against COVID-19. Now, once again, these aren't mandatory. The NFL is not really mandatizing the vaccine. Well, they're not doing it for players. For coaches, it's kind of. It's not, you know, written down as, yes, this is a mandatory vaccine for all the coaches. But we, you know, we've heard the guidelines that you lose your tier one, tier two status if you don't get the vaccine. And what that tier one, tier two status involves is, you know, you can be around the players, you can be on the field, you can act 
access all the locker rooms and you can access really any room in the building if you have tier one, tier two status. If you don't get the vaccine, you lose those privileges. You cannot be around. You cannot be even around the players. You can't be around them. You can't be around the players. How are you supposed to be a coach if you cannot be around the players? You have to be up in the press box while practice is going on down below on the field. So, I mean, you're radioing in. You're trying to get on a headset and the delay and not actually seeing everything at a ground level, not being able to interact with the players. That's definitely going to hurt your coaching status out on the field. Maybe, you know, the players, it's not that they're actively going on and disrespecting you, but, you know, they're not going to be, you know, respecting a headset as much as they would be respecting somebody right in their face on the field. And like we said, you know, it's not the players actively doing that. It's just, hey, you know, I don't see you. Yes, I hear you, but I also want to see you and, you know, putting the body language into it and you getting the full picture on the field and me seeing you have the full picture on the field. And, you know, I don't know what you're doing up there. I don't know if you're slacking off. Did you see me make the great play two minutes ago and you just kind of are, you know, you Maybe I made a bad play right now and you only caught the bad play. Did you see my good play, my other five good plays before this bad play? What happened there? So, you know, I just don't know what you're doing up there. I'm not looking up there. I can't see the glasses kind of, you know, way high and the sunlight is gleaming off of it. There's a big old glare and I can't see up there. A little bit of a tint on there too. What do you got going on up there? I can't see what you're doing. You see me. I can't see you. So... I respect him for, you know, standing firm in his beliefs, folks. I truly do. It's just unfortunate it got to this kind of point where, hey, if you don't get the vaccine, you kind of just got to step down because you're not going to make an impact on this team. And, uh, you know, if you don't get vaccinated, I got to bring in another coach on the field level. So you can still be here, but we're not going to be taking your input, your opinion, because you're up there in the box, away from the players, away from us. So. It's unfortunate. I don't want to read the comments here because I know what they're going to be, but uh, let's see what we get. Let's see what we get. Uh, first guy up. What do we get here? 215 likes. Real solid. What does he say? Y'all want to scream your body, your choice, but when it comes to a vaccine that isn't FDA approved, yet it's wrong. Weaponizing victimization when it's convenient for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty pretty solid right there. I agree, kind of. Um what else do we hear? Paychecks of others are on the line. Isn't this like smoking on airplanes or drinking and driving? Yes, you have a you have professional freedom to make an individual choice, but not when the choice endangers others. No, and that's kind of the main opinion that's going around. But uh, we also know that uh, you know the 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 shot doesn't one hundred percent stop you from getting COVID. So it's like, what are we doing? Um, what else do we get here? We've been literally taking vaccines all of our lives as soon as you're born and also to be let in school. Some of us every flu season, all of a sudden it's a freedom thing. Those complaining about freedom demeaned a man's constitution right to peacefully kneeling. Fuck out of here. Uh, so that's, um, it's kind of what we're getting here, folks. It's just, uh, I, I don't understand why people are having such a high opinion on this and are literally everyone is just living and dying on this vaccine hill. I mean, I, I get COVID's been here for like two years, but can we, you know, like uh, still shining outside? The sun is still shining. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know, folks. I don't know.
let's move on. Over talking about the COVID stuff, honestly. So let's move on here. And and what a way to end, end the stories of the day right here. Man, oh, man. Tom Brady goes back on uh, Instagram or uh, social media and uh, stunts on him. Stunts. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm a little upset that this came a little too late. We already put in our order for our new backdrop. We got a new flag. And we got three new canvases coming up. They have nothing to do with the Dolphins and just our love for the game. If you watch the show, you can possibly guess what's going to go on behind us. But um, I probably would have had this, folks. I think I would have had this made into a canvas. Unfortunately, it was a little too late. Um, like we said, we already put it in our order. But maybe we do a little bit of a midseason switch out of our kind of background. We'll see what happens. But Tom Brady posts a picture of him in his seven rings gleaming. Look at this. All of the ring, all of the bling. And he's only got three fingers free, folks. I mean... The greatest winning quarterback of all time. I don't think anybody can not deny that. Uh, the, the new Bucks ring is our favorite. And just look at all that hardware. Hardware, So many diamonds. I mean, folks, these rings are million. This man is holding millions on millions on millions of dollars on his hands, folks. If you want to talk about stunting, you look at what Tom Brady does. So. Absolutely love the picture here. I have saved this picture uh, so I can do it. I can, uh, you know, make a canvas, make a flag out of this picture if I need to, which uh, it could happen, folks. We could be having this behind us at some point this season, but uh, we'll see what we do. But uh, Tom Brady, absolutely love it. Keep these pictures up. Keep this kind of villain Brady, you know, talking your shit, um, stunting at every single chance that you can, every chance that you get. That's exactly what we want to see from Tom Brady this year, folks. The greatest quarterback to ever do it. And he's reminding y'all every single day. Y'all better get used to it. Goat Brady. We're going to be talking about this for the next 50 years. And uh, we're going to we're gonna hold firm that Tom Brady's the GOAT until somebody that can come through and kind of prove us otherwise. Maybe Patrick Mahomes. But like we said, you know, kind of does he go into the Russell Wilson category or is he going to make a category of his, of his own of coming into the league, winning immediately, going to two Super Bowls, winning one, losing one. And now this is kind of the make it or break it year. We have not heard of Russell Wilson getting into the Super Bowl for the last five years, folks. So... So, you know, you can get there twice real quick in a row, and then you can also not get there for five-plus years. What does Patrick Mahomes do this year? That's the big question. And uh, what does Justin Herbert do? Does he get his first ring this season to go on his quest to start his quest of greatest of all time? It's a potential, folks. We'll see what happens. But uh, Tom Brady reminding y'all he is the GOAT, folks. All those rings, man, oh, man. Gleaming, icy, beaming, beaming and gleaming, folks. Alrighty, those were all the stories that we needed to talk about for today. So let's head over to our narratives. We've got training camp coming up, folks, starting next week. So we have to try and get all of our narratives of what the teams should be doing and what we are going to be looking for this season in the training camp to see if we can buy teams, are we selling teams, should we be betting teams early, are we going to be falling off of teams, and who's just going to be you know, the overall best team before the regular season starts. So, we've been going through some teams, um, kind of day by day, getting our thoughts and our narratives written down on what we are watching for as training camps begin and continue on for the next kind of 40, I think we're like 48 days, 47 days away from the start of the season. Um, 
So, um, we're going to continue with the NFC South and the NFC West today, uh, getting those two divisions and those eight teams, getting their their narratives down. But before we do that, I want to go back to this Cowboys narratives um, to watch for because I forgot one and I kept forgetting to kind of add this. So, our, our narratives to watch for for this Cowboys team so far is Mike McCarthy, Kenny Coach, that's a big one. Um, Dan Quinn, can he coach? Once again, you know, we haven't really seen him work without, you know, star-studded talent defensive players. So this Cowboys team really doesn't have that. It's going to be a big kind of role for Dan Quinn this year. And our third narrative is can Zeke get back to prime form? And we've already been hearing that he's been training very well and that he's got the he's got the right mindset and attitude coming into the season to really pop off running back-wise. So we're hearing good things from Zeke so far. Uh, but the other narrative that we forgot to mention, our man Semi Fayoki, baby. Yes, sir. This is kind of our sleeper in the draft. We are very big on him. The nice, tall, pass-catching, go-up-and-get-it wide receiver. Um, went in like the fourth, fifth round real kind of late. Uh, but we expect him to try and get it done here in training camp. This Cowboys team has, you know, they're very, very deep at the wide receiver position. So it's going to be hard for Semi Fioki to get a real great starting role. But if he looks great in training camp, we can kind of buy this man 100%. And maybe, hopefully, we can see him you know, out in the starting rotation of the wide receivers at some point this season. So we are going to be... Uh, keeping a big eye... Keeping a big eye on Semi Fioki. Absolutely love it, folks. I'm sure I spelled the, spelled the name wrong right now, but I will fix it after the show. Um, so, Semi Fioki, folks, keep that name in mind. And I'm, that's why I'm also glad the Cowboys are on Hard Knocks so we can kind of see him. I'm sure we're hearing from, we're going to be hearing from Semi Fioki at some point in the training camp of Hard Knocks just because he's going to be that great, folks. We truly expect this man to be absolutely potentially a one tier one I could put him in potentially tier one wide receiver category folks that's how much faith I have that semi Fioki pops off in this league but he needs to get that opportunity to do so and that starts in training camp rookie year so we're watching for a semi Fioki for the Cowboys folks all righty let's um go to the next division here and start talking about I've got a text box here so we can start writing it down but uh, let's get our narratives going for the NFC South, folks. The Saints, the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Falcons. We already have our Bucks one up because they already started training camp, and we already have that up. So what we're looking for for the Bucks in training camp is how Tom Brady is looking after surgery, and can they are they spicing up their offense and defense not being the same as last year. There's really not much that we have to kind of watch for because we already know they're going to be great, you know, coaching-wise, uh, player-wise. They returned all their starters, offense, defense, all 22 starting players from the Super Bowl, and they're running it back this season. So we just have to see them spice up the offense and defense. I mean, that's what kind of um, – Wins in this league evolving, like we like we said, teams have an entire off season to prepare and watch what you did, especially Super Bowl champions. When you are now the team to beat, they're going to shut down everything that you did well last season. So you have to kind of evolve and spice it up a little bit and try and do new things. So Bruce Arians, uh, Todd Bowles, defensively, they got to switch it up, and we believe they are going to. We're not really truly worried about it. Um, and like we said, it's the Bucks. They're they're Super Bowl champions last season. There's really not that much that we need to watch for. Um, and Tom Brady's already been saying that. Uh, you 
know, he's feeling even better than he did last season. So we already kind of have one of those narratives kind of already solidified. You know, Tom Brady's going to look real gosh dang good in training camp. All right, but let's go to these other NFC South teams. Let's start with the Saints. And, I mean, the big narrative, obviously, is who's going to win the starting quarterback battle, folks. Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? And I believe Taysom Hill is going to be – this is going to be like a true 50-50 kind of quarterback battle, folks. I don't really think the Saints are leaning one way or the other. The only kind of big – green flag that Jameis Winston has under his belt is that he threw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns one season. Obviously, the knock, he threw 30 interceptions as well. But, I mean, he had a great statistical year, Jameis Winston did, and Tamis, uh, Jame, uh, geez, um, Taysom Hill um, has never played an entire season. So that is a little bit of a kind of in favor for Jameis Winston, but I truly do believe that Sean Payton is going to give Taysom Hill a full opportunity to go out and prove that he can be the starting man out here. So our first narrative is who wins the starting quarterback job? If we're putting kind of a percentage on it right now, I think it's probably... I think it's probably 51% Jameis, 49% Taysom Hill. We've been seeing Jameis Winston work out a lot. Once again, he has experience in the league for an entire season. So I I would say that it kind of weighs a little bit more in Sean Payton's mind um, over Taysom Hill. Just a a tad slightly. But this is going to be big. No Michael Thomas at the beginning of training camp or even the beginning of the season. So how are these quarterbacks uh, going to play without having kind of that A1 tier 1 wide receiver? Which one of these quarterbacks is going to be able to elevate kind of tier 2-ish wide receivers up? to kind of try to get them to tier one status, but just try to kind of enhance their play overall. So it's not going to be easy here for any of these, you know, uh, quarterbacks. Hey, you know, you know, like last season you had, you, you had Michael Thomas, you had Emmanuel Sanders. So you had, you know, two great weapons to kind of, you know, make it a little bit easier on you to throw the ball. You're not going to have that this year, this off season. So it's truly going to be who can throw the ball the best out here. So who wins the starting job? I kind of want it to be Taysom Hill. I'm not going to lie. I want to see what this man can do. We loved what we saw from him. He's a great dual threat quarterback. We love his speed. We love his accuracy. And we believe he can make all the throws. He was airing it out in the one kind of, you know, reservation and concern that we have on Jameis Winston is, uh, is he going to hold a little bit of it back a little bit because he knows the biggest knock on him is the interceptions and he knows he can't go out and be kind of throwing the ball around willy-nilly because as soon as that first interception happens, all of the kind of memories and all of the kind of jokes and memes on Twitter are going to be thrown into the forefront and be like, yeah, same old Jameis Winston, still throwing picks. And that's going to affect his psyche, Jameis Winston's mind and ego. And now he's going to kind of go into turtle mode and not try to make those throws anymore because he knows he can't throw interceptions. So that's the one concern that we have on Jameis Winston. All right. So who wins the starting quarterback job? That's really the main narrative just because Drew Brees has has held so much over this team for so long and has been that great leadership. Uh, so who wins the starting job? Leadership, who steps up in that kind of leadership role? 
we kind of read an article a couple weeks ago on the show that the defense was like, hey, we've got a nice uh, enough veterans here. You know, yes, we're going to miss Drew Brees, but we're going to do the best that we can of stepping up and filling that leadership role. So who truly steps up in the training camp in the preseason that goes forward and steps forward that kind of sets the tone for the entire year? So who steps up as the true one leader? That's really the two big things that we have to watch for. Also, um, we can throw this in here. Sean Payton, you know, we talk a lot about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Who deserves the credit for that? And, you know, the Saints, the overall performance has been a little lackluster. Only been in one one Super Bowl. They're a little kind of Aaron Rodgers-esque. So, once again, you know, is Sean Payton, did he rely a little bit too much on Drew Brees? Or did Drew Brees hold Sean Payton back a little bit? That is something that we're going to be able to see this season, folks. So, can Sean Payton coach? That's another narrative. Just because he doesn't have that kind of A1, Tier 1, certified first battle Hall of Famer quarterback to work with. You got Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. This is nothing to kind of get excited about, to kind of brag about, to be like, yeah, we can win Super Bowls year one at least. You're not going to win a Super Bowl year one with these two quarterbacks. Um, it would be surprising if they did. So let's see what Sean Payton can do this year, folks. All right, so those are our three narratives for the Saints. Who's going to win the starting quarterback job? Who steps up as the true one leader? And can Sean Payton coach? All right, the other team up here in the NFC South is the Carolina Panthers. All righty. And, um, man, oh, man, I did not love their offseason move off of Teddy Bridgewater for Sam Darnold, and that's really going to be it. Can Sam Darnold play? That's it. I don't even know. I, we don't even know if this man is good, folks. Let me write this down, and then I'll bring up the stats. So, can Sam Darnold play? It's not is you know Sam Darnold going to lead this team to a play to the playoffs? Is he going to lead this team to a to a Super Bowl? It's flat out. Can this man play quarterback? I don't know if he can, folks. Um, when we look at these stats, they are absolutely atrocious, folks. I mean, you better buckle up. And, yes, you know, like we said, talking about Sam Darnold obviously is not 100% in fact or ingrained or anything just because he was under Todd Bowles and Adam Gase, two not good head coaches. Todd Bowles is a good defensive coordinator. We know this, obviously winning a ring with the Bucks, But uh, Adam Gase is just pure trash, folks. We know that 100%. Um so, yes, you can put the blame on the coaches, but still, you cannot be having these bad stats. I mean, these are really, really bad stats, folks. Uh, the completion percentage is the worst I've ever seen. 59% last season? What the hell is that, folks? Um, his career average is 59%. He had a 61.9, which is borderline good. Uh, but overall, we want to see something better than Sam Darnold, folks. So he's never really proven to get it done. Um, interceptions are always high. 15 interceptions year one, 13 interceptions year two, 11 interceptions year three with only nine touchdowns, folks. I mean, you can't be throwing more interceptions than you have touchdowns. This man's career touchdown and interception ratio is 45 touchdowns, 39 interceptions. I mean, that is absolutely trash, folks. Um, never thrown above 3,000 yards, folks. Um, once again, year two where he had 61% completion percentage in 3,000 yards. Yes, that's all right. It's nothing great. It's borderline good. We classify good as 62 to 65% completion percentage. 3,000 plus yards and two to one touchdown and interception ratio. And, uh, you know, Sam Darnold is just borderline good here. Um, and then he took a, took a big step back year three. So never really great there. So 
I'm not sold that this man can even play, folks. And uh, Matt Rule is kind of risking the biscuit that this man can play. You had Teddy Bridgewater, who you built a real solid foundation with, folks. Um... He had 69% completion percentage last year. Obviously, the wins were very, very lackluster. I totally agree with that. Teddy Bridgewater kind of floundering at the end of games, at the end of halves, not scoring the ball there. I understand that. But he had 2,000-yard receivers, folks, and that was fantastic. And that's going to be another benchmark that we're going to have to see from Sam Darnold. We see their two wide receivers are Robbie Anderson. And DJ Moore, in last season, Robbie Anderson had 1,000 yards receiving. Fantastic with Teddy Bridgewater. And DJ Moore also put up 1,100 yards. So Teddy Bridgewater had 2,000-yard receivers. That's absolutely fantastic, folks. So that's going to be kind of the bar for Sam Darnold. Can he do what Teddy Bridgewater did last season and more and more? So that's going to be big for Sam Darnold. Can that man play? Another thing to watch out for in training camp is Christian McCaffrey. Is he kind of going back to his old days, folks? I mean, when you look at what Christian McCaffrey can do, it's absolutely spectacular, folks. I mean, his stats are truly just absolutely amazing. Probably the best dual threat running back the game has ever seen. Do I dare put him? Do I dare put that on him? I think I could, folks. Um, obviously, the injury last year, truly unfortunate. But in 2019, 1,300 rushing yards and then another 1,000 receiving for a grand total of 2,300 yards. He led the league in that, folks. Absolutely magnificent. That's fantastic. The year before that, very, very similar. 1,000 yards rushing with 867 yards receiving for a grand total of 1,965 yards. So this man is one of the best dual threat running backs the game has ever seen. But the injury last year, does he take a step back? Does he not get back up to that great level of play? Does Matt Rule flounder with this man? Does Matt Rule not know how to work this man? So can Christian McCaffrey return to elite, and I'm putting elite in all caps, form? And then, you know, Matt Rule, can the man coach? This is another kind of thing. Um, last season, it was all right. You know, I didn't love what he did in the offseason getting rid of Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't really think he gave him a fair chance here. I mean, we have a new head coach and a new quarterback, and you don't have your best player on your team. So it's like, yeah, you went, uh, I think they went only won four games, which, like we said, was very, very low. We wanted to really see like a five, six, seven win, eight, even in like an eight win season from that Panthers team with a new head coach, with a new quarterback. Uh, but I thought it was a solid foundation to lay for them to kind of build upon this year, especially with getting Chris McCaffrey back. That would have just elevated the overall team in wins and level of play and all that. So can Matt Rule coach are going into year two? He made this decision himself. He chose to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater. He chose Sam Darnold. So this is all going to fall on Matt Rule, and it's going to be sink or swim this year. Let's see if he kind of you know gets it done. So Matt Rule, can he coach? And do does his offseason – Trades, I'll, I'll do moves. Does offseason moves pay off? Because if uh, you know Teddy Bridgewater is you know flinging the ball around in Denver and Sam Darnold is floundering here, it's gonna be a bad look for Matt Rule. So 
Those are our three narratives for the Panthers going into training camp. Can Sam Darnold play quarterback? Let's see what this man is looking like. Can Christian McCaffrey return to elite form? And is Matt Rule, can he coach? And are his offseason moves paying off? Is Teddy Bridgewater going out and winning that Broncos starting job? Or did he lose it to Drew Locke? Because that would have kind of said, hey, Matt Rule, it's a little bit of a good decision that you made. So we'll see. All right, the last team to talk about in the NFC South is the Atlanta Falcons. All righty. The big one, folks. Calvin Ridley, year two. What is he doing there in training camp? Year two or year three? Um, let me get this up real quick. I think year three. Um, uh, Calvin Ridley, here we go. <clears throat> Uh, year four. Oh, he's going into year four. Dang, dang. Yeah, year four, Calvin Ridley, folks. Now the A1 tier one wide receiver on this team. No more Julio Jones. It's Calvin Ridley. He's number one. So how does Calvin Ridley adjust to being A1 tier one? Wide receiver. And we, we, we think he's going to handle it fantastic because we saw the numbers when Julio Jones was out last season. Calvin really was doing his thing. So we're not worried about it, but that is a narrative that we are going to try and keep track of. Another um, narrative, um, how is Arthur Smith looking? Um, new first-year head coach for this Falcons team. He was the offense coordinator for the Titans these last two seasons. So we love that. We loved what that Titans offense was doing last season in the last two seasons under Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, um, making Ryan Tannehill look like an above-average game-managing quarterback out there, getting to the playoffs, the AFC Championship game, obviously a little worse last season, but getting Derrick Henry in the running game involved heavily and uh, you know working with two great wide receivers and making them kind of get solid production. So, once again, we're big on Arthur Smith, but we have to see what he's doing here in Atlanta year one, and we can get a nice glimpse of that in training camp. So, how is Arthur Smith adjusting to head coaching? I don't believe Arthur Smith has ever been a head coach. Let me double-check that. Double-check this real quick. Uh, let's get his coaching history up. All righty. Um, offensive coordinator for the Titans in his last two years. He was a tight ends coach, offensive assistant coach, offensive assistant coach, defensive coach, quality control. So, yeah, he's been in the league since 2007 coaching, and he's finally gotten his um, his chance as a head coaching head coach. <laughs> he's head coach now for the Falcons. So, it's going to be what can you do, folks? You only get you know a small window to truly prove that you can get it done. And this offense is decently loaded here, and that brings us to our next kind of you know narrative to watch out for because there is one glaring, not great spot here on this Falcons roster. It's not the tight end; it's Kyle Pitts. We love it. Um, they also have. Um, um, Hayden Hurst um, as their other tight end, which is also proven. Love it. They were both invited to tight end university. Once again, we love that. They have Calvin Ridley. They have Russell Gage. They've got weapons everywhere besides the running back. They have Mike Davis, who we're not in love with. We count him as like a solid tier two running back in this league, but this Falcons team doesn't have that elite, you know, tier one running back that is kind of needed to, you know, take the attention away from the passing game and just get the running game, you know, above and beyond. So they had Mike Davis. Mike Davis was the running back for the Panthers last year, filling in for Christian McCaffrey, and he only had like 600 yards rushing. It wasn't anything great. Um, so now coming on this Falcons team, when it's Mike Davis or even Cordell Patterson, which once again, it's like he's not that great either. So another narrative that we're going to watch for is 
do the Falcons get a free agent running back? The the um the running back that we really want to see the Falcons go out and get is Le'Veon Bell. We really think that, you know, his skill set could truly work for this Falcons team. Just that sheer speed that Le'Veon brings, working with Kelvin Ridley, that'd be some, and Kyle Pitts even, he's got great speed. So they, there could be really great speed all over this field. Mike Davis isn't up to that. Cordell Patterson isn't up to that. Obviously, when you bring in Le'Veon Bell, you get the not good side of just kind of his attitude. Every team he leaves, he kind of burns the bridge he kind of calls them all out um, we just heard him call out Andy Reid the other couple weeks ago and that wasn't anything great so obviously that side is never great with Le'Veon Bell ever since he's left Pittsburgh it's been a little bit of a downward spiral for that man and we hope he can get back on track but um, you know he's got great speed and great talent so I think that would be a good move for this Falcons team to to make once again Arthur Smith is used to having an A1 tier 1 running back obviously we can't I don't know if we can put Le'Veon Bell right back into A1 tier one status real kind of top uh, tier two running back status but uh, he could definitely work his way back up to tier one running back status in this league you know top five court running back in this league I think he can get there still so that's what the Falcons I think that's kind of their missing piece and if they go out and get it this Falcons team could be real great in that division folks all right, so our narratives for the training camps. We got uh, the Saints. Who wins the starting quarterback job? Who steps up as the true one leader? And can Sean Payton coach? For the Panthers, it's can Sam Darnold play quarterback, folks? Can Christian McCaffrey re return to elite form? And does Matt rule? Can he coach? And does his offseason moves pay off? And then for the Falcons, how does Calvin really adjust to being the A1 tier one wide receiver on the squad? How does Arthur Smith adjust to head coaching? And do, do the Falcons go out and get a free? agent running back so we'll be watching for that very closely next week training camps begin starts tuesday and wednesday um and then it's going to be for the rest of the offseason folks you gotta love it um all now let's do the other division let's do the nfc east now we got to get some of these crack a in because like we said we are running out of time tuesday is the day all right so let's uh look at uh the nfc east washington giants Cowboys and the Eagles. We already had the Cowboys one up, like we said, uh, because they did start a little bit earlier, so we had to prioritize them first. But uh, our Cowboys narratives are Mike McCarthy, can he coach? Still a question mark there. Can Dan Quinn coach? Defensive coordinator for this Cowboys team. No elite talent on the defensive end of the ball. Going to hurt to Dan Quinn a little bit. And can, Zach, can Zeke get back to prime form? Um, and can uh, we're keeping a big eye on Semi Fayoki. Absolutely love what he can do. Um, all right. And then, um, like we said, the one narrative that we're not watching for this Cowboys team is Dak Prescott. We, we, we've got no worries about this man. We already saw early tape of this man working in training camp, the ankle injury. It's looking all great. He's throwing the ball beautifully. We're not worried about Dak Prescott. It's everybody else on that uh, Cowboys team that we are truly worried about. Uh, so we're not worried about Dak Prescott. He's going to be fine. Uh, but let's start with Washington. What um what are our big narratives to watch for? Well, obviously, 
It's going to be the quarterback competition a little bit. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of the clear front runner. He believes so. He's saying it. Uh, we heard from Terry McLaurin. He's kind of saying it without saying it. Ron Rivera saying this is an open quarterback competition, but we know it's pretty It's pretty much locked in that it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know if that is the best decision. We do know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is just a 50-50 quarterback. A lot of people love to attach you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick to the Fitz Magic play. And, you know, I don't blame them. It's hard not to do that. You know, we just saw him do it for the Dolphins last season. So I understand that. But he also throws a lot of picks. His record as a starting quarterback is always 6-10, 6-10. You know, ten, he had a 10-6 season with the Jets, but that was with a star-studded defense and, you know, still a little underperforming overall. So I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy. I think I like to see Taylor Heineke a little a little bit more. I would like to see what he can do in training camp and truly kind of give him a a great opportunity, a true 50-50 chance to win the starting job. Um, so for Washington, the quarterback competition and um, can Ryan Fitzpatrick cut down the turnovers? Don't want to see a lot of interceptions from the man. And, you know, it's going to be, you know, training camp. So we're not going to get the best look at that. Um, and they're going to be swept under the rug. And obviously that's going to tie into who wins the starting job. But that's going to be something to look for heavily as the season progresses. How many interceptions is Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing? Because he is a gunslinger. Because he is a career backup. He's got nothing to lose. Really nothing to prove because he'll never really be a starting quarterback. When you, Whenever you're kind of designated as a backup quarterback, you're, you're really never going to to kind of be that starting quarterback and when he had the starting quarterback job with the Bills like we said six and ten when it was with the Jets ten and six but a little underperforming for overall the talent that they had offensive side and defensive side of the ball all right so that's for Washington the quarterback competition and can Ryan Fitzpatrick cut down the turnovers also Ron Rivera year two we loved what he did year one uh, what is he going to do year two? Obviously, this isn't the most star-studded team. They really don't have that many great pieces. Um, their biggest name is probably on the defensive end with um, uh, Chase Young. Um, but offensive side, they have no... I mean, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick, Antonio Gibson, and Terry McLaurin. I mean, it's like... <laughs> Meh. It's like meh, you know? Uh, so, Ron Rivera, can he kind of, once again, coach his team up to kind of playing above their standards? Ron Rivera not going through chemo anymore, so what's his kind of motivation going to be? Um, do the team buy into Ron Rivera um, without having chemo? <laughs> does he still kind of command the same respect? I'm sure he does, folks. Um but, uh, you know, that was something that did come into play. So that's really it. And can the defense be the main focal point? Can the defense kind of be the main thing that holds them to the wins? I mean, uh, the offense wasn't putting up, you know, 30-plus points every single game. I mean, the uh, the offense wasn't carrying this Washington team to wins last season. It was the defense. So can the defense step it up and be the main force again this year? See how um, Chase Young is doing year two and uh, how just once again Ron Rivera coaches this defense team overall. So we'll get a nice glimpse into that uh, training camp. All righty. The next one that we've got, we've got to do the Giants. The Giants. All righty. The big narrative to watch for in training camp. How 
quick to Saquon Barkley return to practice. We just heard that he's going to start training camp on the PUP list, physically unable to perform list, which is not great. He's coming off that big old injury last season, kept him out for the entire year. He's looking great. He's looking good. We we're, we see him exercising and working out and getting right all the time, but uh, he's, re he's been real tight-lipped on everything that's come out of his mouth. He has no timetable, and that's the biggest thing. He has not even offered us a timetable of when he's going to return, and that is a big red flag for us. We want to see this man out there as soon as possible. So, Saquon Barkley. How quick does he return to practice? That's the big one. The other big one, Daniel Jones. We're, we need that year three leave, folks. We need it. This is not a, hey, we could take it or leave it. We need this year three leap from Daniel Jones, 100%. We need him to take the same year three leap that Josh Allen did. Because Josh Allen had the biggest year three leap I think I've ever seen in NFL history. And that's what we need to see from Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, three year, year three leap. Need 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 it and we'll get a nice glimpse into that in training camp they've got a lot of weapons to work with so we got to see daniel jones danny dimes dropping dimes delivering dimes in training camp so we can start buying into this man as the season progresses uh but yeah that's basically the two main things we got to watch for for this giants team saquon barkley and daniel jones the defense is solid it's a solid defense nothing great nothing bad it's an average above average ish defense Let's actually see where this defense ranked last season. Um, so here we go. Because we're, we're really just worried about this offense. Because if the offense can get right, if Saquon Barkley can kind of be back to his prime shape, if Daniel Jones could be like Josh Allen, this it won't matter what the Giants do defensively because the offense will be putting up 40 points plus every single game. I've got no worries on that. Uh, so Giants, I mean, just kind of overall ninth-ranked defense. Uh, let's see where they they gave up 20 uh, hand. They, they forced 22 turnovers. Love seeing that. That's kind of one of the highest. It seems like the highest is 29. Um, so 22 is real solid there. Passing, they only gave up 3,800 yards passing. Some teams, majority of these teams, giving up way more, 4,000 plus, 3,700 3, plus yards. So real solid there. Forced 11 interceptions. Love that. Rushing. They only gave up 1,700 yards rushing. A lot of teams giving up 2,000-plus yards. Love it. Looks like the lowest lowest team that uh, a team gave up was about 1,400. So having 1,700, giving up 1,700, that's pretty gosh dang good. Um yeah, so overall, it's, it's just this is a solid, real solid defense. A little bit above average. I, I thought, it, yeah, a little above average, folks. Love it. Average team. Yeah, okay, let's compare this to the average team. Here we go. So the Giants, they gave up. Let's go back to the passing yards. 3,800 passing yards, and the average was 3,800. So once again, average-ish there. The turnovers, they forced 22. The average was 20. So once again, above average there. You love to see it. Yards given up total, they gave up 5,500. The average is 5,700. So once again, um, above the average there. You love to see it. Below the average in this sense, but it's actually above. You know what I mean? Um, 
and then rushing yards. Gave up 1,700. The average was 1,900. So this is an above average defense, folks. We can say that. So we're not really worried about the defense. It's really just the offense. Should we take a look at the offense? Because I think the offense was a little uh, little wonky. I don't think this was an above average offense, but let's quickly take a look here. Um, the offense for the Giants was kind of just overall ranked... Oh, my God, 31st, folks. Jeez Louise. Yeah, 100%, folks. Um, how many points did they put up? Yards? They put up 4,700 yards. The average was 5,700. Well below average. Trash. Jeez. Uh, they had 22 turnovers offensively. The average was 20. So, once again, not great there. Um Passing yards, 30,000. They had 3,000 passing yards. That's truly not great. The average was 3,800. That's 800 more, folks. That's not going to get it done. Rushing, 1,700 yards. The average was 1,900 yards. Once again, not getting it done. So really, really, really trash offense. But that was because no Dan or no Saquon Barkley. So they were the defenses were just kind of homing in on the passing game. And Daniel Jones didn't have that year three leap. He had a solid year last year. Once again, nothing great. Right? Nothing to rant and rave about, but a solid step, a solid building block, and kind of what we saw from Josh Allen, trash year one, trash year two, great year three. From Daniel Jones, trash year one, kind of trash year two. We're looking for great year three, and the pieces are there. Offensively, the pieces are there. The wide receivers are there. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, the rookie, I'm, I'm telling y'all, is going to be absolutely great. Um, let's get up the entire depth chart. Um, cause they've got like eight, eight wide receivers deep folks. Uh, here we go. Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, John Ross, Kadarius Tony, And then at the tight end, you got Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph. I mean, they are stacked offensively. This is Daniel Jones's put up or shut up year. And we're expecting big old, big old shut up. He's going to shut everybody up. So this Giants team, we're just worried about the offense. Saquon Barkley, Danny J, can they get it done? I believe in everybody else. Defensively, weapons-wise, and I even believe in our man, uh, Jason Garrett. I think the man's a solid offensive coordinator. Not a good head coach, solid offensive coordinator. And he makes Daniel Jones work, I believe. All right, the last team to talk about in the NFC West, uh, uh, NFC East, in terms of narratives heading into training camp, is the Philadelphia Eagles. All righty, uh, some solid stuff to talk about here because they they're they're just you know not the greatest overall team. So obviously Jalen Hurts year two, or really just kind of full year one. That's really what we need to see. Um, has a full training camp behind him. He is the guy. Obviously, Carson Wentz started last year. They put Jalen Hurts in kind of back end, middle-ish of the year, and Carson Wentz is now gone. So Jalen Hurts, full year one under his belt. How is he looking? We need to see this man kind of improve. And he, we liked what we saw from him last year. And the you know few games that we saw, we thought it was real solid work out there. Like, you know, once again, nothing great, nothing bad. It was just solid work to build upon this year. Uh, their new head coach, Nick Sirianni, he's got to get it done, folks. I mean, I, I, I still question the move of getting rid of Doug Peterson. I didn't really think that made any sense, especially when you're going into kind of this quarterback rebuild. Why not do? Um, why not keep Doug Peterson, who has this great track record as a head coach? I mean, they, they've been the Eagles were winning, winning, having winning seasons every single year under Doug Peterson. Obviously, not last season, but that's you know that was kind of Carson Wentz. You know, we kind of felt like. He wanted to be out, and he was kind of forcing himself out, kind of playing like we think 
Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing this season just kind of a fucking attitude and let the ball fly around. And that led to 15 interceptions for Carson Wentz and, you know, a very, very trash record. So Nick Sirianni, first year, big pressure to fill Doug Peterson's shoes. Uh, let's bring up uh, the Eagles quickly here because I want to see what Doug Peterson did year one, and that's going to be the bar for Nick Sirianni, folks. I'm not going to kind of sugarcoat it. That's kind of what we're going to hold Nick Sirianni to. So let's get the Eagles history up here quickly. Here we go. Doug Peterson's first year head coaching, they went 7-9. So that is the bar. 7-9, not making the playoffs. Winning the Super Bowl's year two. That's the bar for Nick Sirianni. So... Uh, Got to see um, seven and nine is the bar. Seven and nine is the bar. So obviously, obviously with seventeen games a season, you got to go either eight and nine or nine and eight. So either of those two to try to beat that seven and nine bar. Alrighty, Devontae Smith. That's another one. How is this man looking? Is he looking like the A one tier one wide receiver that he has to play with? That he has to kind of be like. Um, I want to see A1, Tier 1, Year 1. <laughs> He's got to kind of put out like Justin Jefferson did last season, honestly, folks, for this Eagles team. He is their kind of best wide receiver that they have currently on their team. Let's get their depth chart up because it is very, very not good. Uh, they have Miles Sadners as their running back. Once again, a Tier 2 running back. Still solid Tier 2, but Tier 2 nonetheless. Yeah, you got Jalen Rager, Tra Travis Fulgrom. I mean, you know, Greg Ward, John Hightower. So, you know, these wide receivers are nothing great. That's why you bring in Devontae Smith, Heisman winner. We believe we have him as uh, our wide receiver one on our big board. We have Devontae Smith 1, Jamar Chase 2, Jalen Waddle 3, Kadarius Tony 4, Rashad Bateman 5, and Elijah Moore 6. So is Devontae Smith going to come out and play like the A1 Tier 1 wide receiver that he needs to be, that uh, Jalen Hurts needs him to be, and that Nick Sirianni needs him to be? So we'll see what he's looking like in training camp. Obviously, you know, his weight was kind of the big issue uh, during the dra draft and during the offseason. We never really bought into that narrative. We don't care if you're skinny, fat, as long as, you know, you're winning at the line of scrimmage you don't need to be beefy um if you're winning at the line of scrimmage and they can't jab you at the line of scrimmage it doesn't matter if you are kind of ripped like dk metcalf or if you're just a slim 180 like Devonte smith is i don't think it's going to be an issue um all righty what did they draft um are we missing anything from this eagles team obviously we know they drafted Devonte smith and uh, that was really kind of their big name, their big pickup. Defensively, I don't think they've got anything great. They've still got Fletcher Cox, obviously. Darius Slay's real solid. Uh, Rodney McLeod's decent out there. Brandon Graham, solid as well. So it's really just, um, oh, Zach Ertz. Um, that's who we were forgetting. Uh, does Zach Ertz get traded? He's kind of been wanting a trade. The Eagles are kind of hesitant on trading him uh, because he is kind of, you know, a big piece and, you know, tight ends. That's kind of the main narrative, just the overall narrative that we are focusing on in the regular season this year. Tra tight end university happened this season, getting all the tight ends together, learning from each other, picking their brain. And we can expect big things from all the wide receivers this season. Obviously with the new addition of Kyle Pitts, that's going to be big as well. So Zach Ertz, he's been kind of one of these OG good tight ends out here. 
he went to tight end university and he's trying to get on a new team. So let's see, does Nick Sirianni keep him? Does Nick Sirianni kind of, you know, um, kind of, you know, are, does Nick Sirianni have enough pull to kind of keep Zach Ertz here one more year? Let's get Jalen Hurts acclimated. We've got Devontae Smith. Hey, you know, Nick Sirianni has to pitch that. This is a winning team right now. I don't buy it. I have this as kind of the worst team in the NFC East, but if Nick Sirianni can kind of sell Zach Ertz to stay this year and be like, hey, we can actually win games and we can win the division. I, I truly believe that. If Nick Sirianni truly can sell that to Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz could stay this season, folks. So, We'll see how long Zach Ertz stays as an Eagle during training camp or if he gets traded. So those are going to be our narratives to watch for for the NFC East, folks. For Washington, the quarterback competition, um, and can Fitzpatrick cut down the turnovers? Ron Rivera, year two, can he still coach this team up to above average, way above what these players are actually? And can the defense step it up and be a main force again this year? For the Giants, Saquon Barkley, how quick does he return to practice? And Daniel Jones, year three, year three leap is 100% needed. And then for the Eagles, Jalen Jalen Smurf, Jalen Hurts, year one, full year one under his belt. Let's see if he kind of um, gets that leadership role, commands the offense. He's got to do something here. Got the full off season um, in a solid couple of games last season under your belt. Nick Sirianni, first year, big pressure on him to fill Doug Peterson's shoes, and we've got a 7-9 bar from him. Let's see how he's kind of talking. We haven't really loved everything we've been hearing from him, um, you know, playing rock, paper, scissors in the draft to determine competitiveness. I get it. I don't love it, but we'll see. Um, Devontae Smith, A1 Tier 1, Year 1? Potentially, and I'm kind of buying into it. We'll see what he's looking like at training camp, and then how long is Zach Ertz going to be there? Does he get traded? So some nice things to watch for for the NFC East. Um, and then with the Cowboys, obviously, Mike McCarthy, can he coach? Dan Quinn, can he coach? Can Zeke get back to prime form? And Sammy Fioki, can he get that starting role? We think so. We'll see, though. All right, so those are some narratives to watch for for training camp as they get started next week, folks, this Tuesday. All right, that's going to do it for us. We're not going to be able to, to get to a team today, unfortunately. We still have some you know, buffer days in between, 31 teams left to go, and I think we're going to have like 46 days to cover that. Um, but we do have to get these narratives in. So tomorrow on the show, we're going to kind of, once again, go heavy on some narratives, try to wrap that up before Tuesday's show or really at the end of Tuesday's show, that's really when we need to be wrapping that up. And then we can, once again, just kind of get back into our NFL team refreshers Looking at what they did last season, what were their offseason moves, can we buy into them, what is their uh, schedule looking like this season, and can we chalk them down to some solid quality wins. So that's going to do it for us today, folks. We're back tomorrow, live noon Eastern. Do we have anything breaking as we were live? It is the weekend, so nothing really breaks here. Oof, Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians will find unvaccinated players 14000 for any violations of the NFL 19 protocols. And the NFL will also find players. All right. Um, like I said, I just don't love it, folks. I just don't love it. All right. Here we go. We are out of here for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Nothing is breaking. So we will see you tomorrow.